ready for the word of God? All right. You know, I'm going I'm to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie to you. I left my sermon right here, and someone took it and threw it away. Right? So I'm, I'm working on, I'm gonna work on my memory to, uh, for this message. All right? So uh, don't laugh, man. I'm, the Holy Spirit's going to leave me today. All right? So we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray. And then uh, it might even be longer because I might just be repeating the whole time. Right? So uh, I'm just kidding. Let's, let's bow our heads, and let's, uh, let's get started. Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for this afternoon together with uh, the sons and daughters, friends and families of TLC. Lord, what a privilege it is to come into the house that bears your name, to, to worship you, to praise, to sing, to pray, to hear the testimonies of your saints and the work that you are doing. Father, I just pray, O oh Lord, that you would just remind us of why we are here. What's the purpose of coming here? And Lord God, we pray that today your word will speak volumes and power unto us, O oh Lord. Father God, would you um, um, anoint me, your servant, unworthy as I am to preach your word. Father God, bring into uh, memory all, Lord God, that you have, uh, have ordained me to speak today. Lord God, what is important, let it be spoken. What is not, let it be forgotten. But Lord, I pray that today um, you and you alone be glorified as we look into your word and seek its truth. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we did an impromptu series in regards to Church 101, basically asking the question, why, why do we come to service? All right? Why is it that we go through this whole decorum of you coming in here, you sitting down, and then, you know, Chris comes up, he sings a few songs, you guys stand up, you sing with him, Jeremiah walks up, leads a few prayers, we pray with him, right? and then I come up, and then you sit down, you stay quiet for about 40 minutes, I preach and talk for about 40 minutes, and hopefully you're paying attention, and now hopefully I'm making sense, right? Why do we go through this whole decorum of service and worship? That was, that was pretty much the basis of why we came up with this series, or Evan walked in with this series, and we talked about how all of this, all of this really is to create this, this atmosphere of reverence and reverence and holiness here in this place. As you come and as you sing, right, we learn that in, in the process of singing, it brings all of our hearts together as we uniformly focus on one entity, which is our God and our King. And by doing that, it actually binds our hearts together. It actually brings us together. It is a place of reverence, of honor, and direct, um, focusing our direction towards who God is. And as we come, as we give an offering, it is a spirit of fear and a spirit of trust to say to God that it's not about me and what I have and what I possess, but it's about trusting you in the journey of doing this. We talked about prayer, how in this place of prayer, God allows for you the privilege to come in and join him in the act of creation. Do you guys understand that he has already ordained all of creation from beginning to end. And yet the Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. Meaning that there is something that if you would ask, he would make happen that has not yet already been happening. That you have the privilege of your prayers being folded into his story that God is writing. That the majority of the time, a lot of you guys are here because somebody prayed for you. The majority of the time, things are moving in your life or God is opening doors or closing doors because he, you have been prayed for or you yourself are praying. 
It is the privilege to be a part of God's creation process. And so worship setting here as we come, why do we come into this place? It's to give reverence and holy devotion to God as we sacrifice, as we join in relationship, as we join in creation process, right? And today I want to talk to you guys about then why do we preach? Why is such a huge amount of our service dedicated to the act of preaching? Why is it that we spend so much time within the hour and a half that we, that we have, hour and 45, because I usually go a little longer, right? Hour and a half that we have to be dedicated to the reading and the teaching of God's word. So let me, let me share with you guys a, a quick, um, a quick uh, uh, story, right? There was this five-year-old girl, right? This five-year-old girl, and every day she saw her father, every Sunday, she sees her father walks up to the pulpit, and, and without fail, he always stands, and he bows his head, and then he preaches. And being five years old, she doesn't really know what he's doing. She just sees him, goes up here, bows his head, and then preach, right? And so one day, she finally said to him, Dad, why do you go up to the pulpit and bow your head for? What's the purpose of doing that? And he said, well, I'm coming up here as I bow my head. I'm asking God to um, use me to inspire, challenge, and grow the congregation through the preaching of the word. And then she looked at the father, and, she, and then she said, how come God's not answering you then, right? <laughs> right? Because that's, that's really a lot of times we, it's kind of like a nonchalant attitude we have when it comes to preaching, isn't it? Like we, 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 we wonder why is it that I have to come and sit here and listen to this dude preach 45 minutes and apparently I'm supposed to listen and pay attention to all of it and catch it and then walk away being inspired or challenged or whatever. Why is it that we have the sitting process versus the standing? Why is it that that's happening? And today, I want you guys to understand this, because if you understand why preaching happens, then you understand very well why you come and you sit, why you come and you listen, why you come and you dedicate this moment to God. I want you guys to understand this, because if you understand biblical preaching, then you will always know that whenever the word of God is being preached, whether it's being preached true or being preached falsely, you will know what biblical preaching is, what it entails, what it connects. And so when you listen to a preacher preach, you will be able to discern whether they're just all about morality or just do good or they're really preaching the word of God. And this is so important because one day, either I will retire or die, whichever one comes first, right? You will have to find another pastor to replace me or else most of you guys are my age, so you guys probably retired and died too or something, right? You know, but if those who are younger, right, you will have to find another pastor that will replace me. And then whoever you're going to find to replace me, it is in your imperative to discern whether this pastor, this preacher, is actually preaching the word of God. So today I want to teach you why is it that we come and we preach God's word? Why do we give so much of our time and our energy into the preaching of God's word? If you understand this, you understand why we ask you to sit and focus and pay attention, not play video games, not like, you know, daydream about what's for lunch, not to uh, lose yourself in, like, you know, watching sports in the middle of, of, of service, not to, like, eat or, you know, get distracted, but actually to be here to listen. Right? You would know, okay? Um, and so to answer this question, we have to break it up into two parts. First part is, why is the word so important? Why is, why is the word of God so prominent in worship? And secondly, why is it specifically do we use preaching to share this word? 
Why don't we just do Bible study? Why don't I just come up here and do a Bible study with you guys for 35 minutes? Why don't I come up here and give you like a whole entire like theological discourse in class for 35 minutes? Why specifically do I give you preaching for 35 to 40 minutes? Right? So two things we're going to engage with today, okay? First, why is the Word of God so prominent? And secondly, why is the medium of preaching used to teach the Word of God in this corporate worship? Is follow? Okay? Open your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 16 to 17. We'll start at 16. Why is the Word of God so prominent in corporate worship. Why do we give so much energy and attention to God's word in a corporate worship setting? Why is it that the word of God is so important? Verse 16, this is what it says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Do you know why the word of God is so important? Why as pastors, why as Christians, we give so much attention to it? Because the word of God is how God chose to reveal himself to us. In the Bible, uh, John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. God chose to reveal, he didn't choose to reveal himself in any other way, but he chose to reveal himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God, God's word to the world. If you want to know who God is, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what God is thinking or how God's heart is feeling, you look to the word in which he reveals himself by. See, you will never know God unless you know this word. You can, you can go around and you may talk about, yeah, yeah, I, I understand God, or I feel God, or God's all around me, or I, I have this. But you will never know who he is unless you look into the word. God reveals himself through the working of his word. God's word is, um, all scripture is God breathe, it says, right? I'll give you an example. You know, um, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, the, the play written by William Shakespeare, right? Does the Montague or the Capulet, will they, do they know who William Shakespeare is? No, they don't even know that they're part of a story, actually, right? Romeo and Juliet will never know that they're a part of the story unless Shakespeare writes himself into the story and tells them, I am the author of what you're doing now. Can you imagine that? As Romeo stands before the, the balcony and says, you know, what light, but soft, what light be young when the breaks? Who's that dude? I said, oh, yeah, I'm Shakespeare, by the way. I'm your maker. I'm your author. I created you guys. Just let me let you know. Okay, just kidding. Keep going, right? That's how, that's how Romeo and Juliet will know that they're part of a story is if the author writes himself into the story, if he reveals himself into the story. And so we are living, we are living in the story that, of our lives, but we don't even know if God is actually around unless he does what? Unless he reveals himself to us. And he reveals himself to us through Jesus Christ. He is God's word to the world. If we want to know what God's intention, God's heart is, we look, or we want to know who God is, we look to Jesus. If we want to know what he wants from us, what he desires from us, what his heart is all about, we look to his word. We open the Bible and we read it. One of the things about Christians that we value so much, right, is this word. This is it. 
See, a lot of times, um, you know, not, not to tease Catholics, they're, they're, they're great uh, believers, but oftentimes, you know, what, what differentiates between Christians and Catholics oftentimes is whether they read the Word of God or not. Right? Whether it's just letting someone read it for them or they're actually in themselves reading it because they're allowing God to reveal himself to them. Why do we place such prominence in the Word during service time? Because this is how you meet God. This is how you know who your God is. This is not how you begin to create some sort of imaginary idea of God. This is how you know the one true God who's made all nature. This is the one who has said, this is who I am. And I have chosen to reveal myself through Scripture. Right? And not only, does he re- not only is the Word of God used to reveal who he is, for us to see, for us to delight in him, it also is used, God used the Word to work in us. God works through his word. Throughout the Bible, this is what it says. Throughout the Bible, Jesus, Jesus was able to, by his word, calm the sea. By his word, make the blind man see. By his word, make the deaf hear. By his word, raise the dead to life. It is by his word that begins to challenge and grow and rebuke and correct and train people. Look at uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy verse 17. This is what he says. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The word is not only so that we will know who God is, but it also is there so that we will begin to challenge and grow ourselves through it. It is by the word that we flourish. Let me ask you guys a question real quick. All right, focus. All right, if you guys, you guys have been in church for a long time. Let me ask you the question. The person you were three years ago and the person you are now, are you the same person? Have you grown within those three years? I'm not talking about, like, bigger or smaller, right? I'm talking about, like, have you grown in terms of have your kindness grown? Has your integrity grown? Has your desire to follow what he has to say grown? Is is your willingness to the capacity, listen, the capacity by which you grow is the capacity by which you are willing to obey, all of us, a lot of us, oftentimes in church, we've come to a place where we've stayed stagnant with God. There's really no, there's really no growth. Kindness does not grow. Love does not grow. Patience does not grow, right? Forgiveness does not grow. We actually grow in anger. We grow in more of like um, back-talking. We grow in different areas instead of the areas by which he calls us to grow into, right? Why is that? Oftentimes, it's because you have not allowed the word of God to work in your life. See, the word has this power to work in you, to grow you, and to flourish you. You ever ask the question, why is it when I hear testimonies of, like, really crazy people like, like, um, like drug addicts or prostitutes, when they come to know God, all of a sudden it's like one day, and the next day is a whole different person, right? You ever hear those stories, and you're like, that's, so, that's too crazy to be true. But you know why I think the reason why that happens? It's because of the spirit of obedience, Here they are, they've lived their whole entire life wanting a certain thing, desiring a certain way. Then all of a sudden, boom, they decided to let it all go, to fall in complete obedience to God. And in obedience to God, his word works in their lives. His word begins to transform and change their life. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, why has my life not changed, even though I've been a believer for so many years, the question you have to ask yourself is, how often have I really obeyed God's word? See, God's word has this ability to work 
in you, to change you, to transform you. Why in corporate worship do we give so much precedence and prominence to the word? Do you know why? Because it's in this place, the preaching of his word, that you actually know and see and hear who Christ is. You know who your God is. Actually, it's in this place where you begin to challenge your heart to grow. See, the word of God is like a north point. It brings us back. You guys know that in bio, there's this, uh, this the organ called the hypothalamus, right? Hypothalamus, it's the, it's the homeostasis center, right? I'm trying to be all technical. But, you know, it's, it's the place where if, you, if your temperature gets too hot, your, homo, your, your hypothalamus says too hot, right? Or it's too low, it's too cold, right? So your, your, your body is, con- your, your hypothalamus is constantly trying to figure out a way to bring your body back to normal. You guys get me, right? And in the same way, the word of God is this way of bringing God's people back to its north point. When you are married, you're in marriage, right? I am not the mediator of your marriage, right? I can help give you advice, right? But I'm not the one to be like, hey, you know, this get PT's opinion and his opinion is law. That's probably not true, right? Right? He has his own problem with marriage, right? But the mediator of your marriage is what? The word of God. So that when in the marriage things go fray, when things are lost, when you guys are fighting and you don't know what's going on, where do you go? You go back to the north point to train you, to rebuke you, to correct you. Oftentimes it could be the husband's issues. Oftentimes it could be the wife's issue. But you go back to the word to direct you. But a lot of you guys don't like that, right? Because you grew up in a culture, we grew up in a culture that tells us something like, you know what, I'd rather hear something that tickles my ear. I want a God that tells me what I want to hear, not a God that actually tells me what I need to hear. See, this is how you know you're interacting with a real relationship. A real relationship actually pushes back on you. It doesn't just agree with you, right? A real relationship is something that actually can push back upon you. And so when you come to God and you're thinking like, you know, I don't need God to grow. I can do whatever I want because God is love and I can just engage in God however I want because God is love and do however I choose to please. Do me, right? I was driving to, the, to um, church today and there was a sign and my son, he can read now. I, I didn't even know that happened, right? He said, Daddy, what's you do you? I'm like, what? He said, Daddy, there's a sign that says you do you. What does that mean? I'm like, you know, you can do whatever you want. It wants you to be yourself. And he says, so I can do me? I said, I said, no, you definitely cannot do you, right? So, but it says, you do you. I said, no, that's not how it works, Seth. Everyone tells you to do you, right? We're Christians. We do whatever he calls us to do, right? He said, oh, okay, right? <laughs> you know? You see, see in, in a culture that, 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 that drives us to be like, hey, you know, do, just do you, man. Just do you, right? Be yourself. You know, God is love. He'll, he'll, he'll let it go. That is the very essence of how you do not know the revelation of your God. And it's probably how you don't even have a relationship with God because a real relationship will always push back. It says, you know what? In this area, I love you. You're growing. You're challenging yourself. In this area, you're not. Let me rebuke you. Let me train you. Let me correct you. Allow for me to do that in your life. Would you listen to me? Let me, let me bring you back to the North Point. Let me bring you to a place where you're actually um, walking in a place of growth and flourishing. That's what the Word of God is able to do. Do you guys understand that? The Word of God reveals Christ to you. It reveals exactly who God is. And secondly, the Word of God works in you. 
So when you ask the question, why do I have to come and sit and listen to someone preach and actually pay attention and not, you know, play on my phone or get lost in my own distraction? Why is it that it's so important for me to be in the midst of preaching? Because if you're not, one, you will miss out on who your God is as he's trying to speak into your life. And two, you will miss out on the growth that he has in store for you. Oftentimes, he speaks, he speaks desperately to you, trying to just pick at you and says, come back. It's time. You know that area. Let it go. You know that. Let it go. See, that's why when I, when I tell you guys, when you guys go on vacation, we don't miss service. We don't miss service usually. We try to not miss service at all. You know why? It's not because... It's not because, like, it's, by going to service, you're going to be, like, some sort of, like, you know, super holy person. It is in service. It's, it's in this, this corporate worship where you encounter the revelation of your God through his word. That's how he chose to reveal himself. And secondly, it begins to speak unto your heart areas that he's trying to correct and train you in to move you forward. Areas that you have been so rebellious about. Areas that you have constantly ignored him in. Areas that you will not let go. He says, listen. Listen and you will see yourself grow. Some of you guys think this. Though. Some of you guys think, you know, I, I feel pretty good, PT, honestly. Like, I don't really follow the word of God fully. But being in this whole group and community, I'm, I'm feeling pretty connected. I'm, I'm feeling God's moving, changing, and using me. I, I feel pretty good. Like, I still don't see how the word of God works like that, okay? So imagine this, okay? I, and I, I speak of no experience whatsoever when I say this, right? They say when you want a six-pack of abs, right? When you want a six-pack, 80% of it is due to diet, and like 20% of it is due to exercise. Is that true? I, I, I mean, I don't have one, so you guys let me know, right? right? So, so, even if, so, so basically, even if, you go to, even if you're a gym rat, and you go and you work out constantly, but your diet is crap, you're not going to get six packs, right? That's, that's all I'm thinking, right? But so you, so even, so in, in, hopefully this disconnects, right? In the same regards, even if you show up, you have your small group, you have your community group, you show up to church, you do the church service, there may be a connection, there may be growth, there may be a sense of, you know, God's spirit working, but you will never sense the spiritual change unless you're willing to obey the word that comes from it. You guys get me? The capacity by which you will grow is always coupled by the capacity by which you will obey his word. His word is useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. All right? And so what does that mean? That means that one day when you guys get married and you leave TLC, right, and you go to your husband's church or your wife's church, wherever it is you go to, right, or one day you go to college and you go to a different church somewhere in a different state, different town, different place, or one day I die or I retire and you have a different pastor, whichever one comes first, right? How do you discern biblical preaching when you come and you sit? You have to ask yourself the question, one, do they reveal Christ to you? Is Christ being revealed in the message? Do you see more of who God is in the message? Do you see more of his love his justice, right? Do you see more of his kindness, his sacrifice? Do you see more of his truth? Do you see more of him in the preaching? And two, do you find yourself being constantly, constantly um, moved 
to act against your culture or to speak into your culture? Does, does the word speak into your culture to make you, challenge you to grow, to rebuke you, to correct you, and to train you? Do you find yourself being engaged in those areas? Because if you are, can I tell you, you're sitting under preaching. You're sitting under biblical preaching. That's a good place to be. Oftentimes, sometimes it could be dry. Sometimes it could be very sweet and nice. But all those things being revealed. Revelation of your God. The works in your heart. Is it being revealed? If it is, you're in the biblical teaching. Okay? So, why do we come here? Why do you come here and why do we give such a huge energy to the word of God? to the preaching of God's word, because God's word has the power to reveal himself to you. Of all the ways he wants you to know who he is, he does it through the word, and of all the ways he wants to train you and to correct you and to rebuke you, to work through you, to grow you, to flourish. This is not, see, oftentimes when people hear this, they're like, oh, God just wants me to do more and to follow all these rules, but that's not the case. You guys realize that? That's not, and and I realize this even more and more as as I have my sons, right? Like, like when, I call, when I tell Seth to do something, it, it's, it's to train him for certain things, right? And I joke with my wife all the time about this, right? Seth, I train. So homie sleeps like a rock during the nighttime, right? Enoch, we, we, we allow for him to do what he wanted, right? And he is causing misery, right? After one, after one year, I thought it would stop. It's still going on, right? Homie wakes up at 1, at 3, nonstop still, right? And I'm like, man, why, right? Why? What's the difference? One, right? It's not so that you can like, oh, I'm, I'm putting these rules on you because I hate you, Enoch. I just despise you. It is to train you, to correct you, to prepare you, to flourish you, and to grow you. You guys get that? And so when God is calling us through his word, he's not telling us to do these things because he wants us to like, he wants to make us miserable. He's calling us with his word because he wants to flourish us. He is the one, he, if God is who he says he is, he is the author and perfecter of humanity. He knows exactly what will flourish you and what will destroy you. And if you allow for him to work in you, you may not see the result right away, but in time you will see the benefits and the growth of his word working in your life. And in the same case, if you decide and you choose not to follow after his word. You may not see the issues right away, but in the long run, what you will see is the what you will see is the retribution. No, that's the right word. What you will see is the payback. No, that's not the right word either. It's also nasty, right? What you will see is the result of a life of disobedience. Right? What you will see is how it will play out in your life in the long run. And so why is the word of God so prominent? Why do we put so much emphasis on it? Because you see God and he works in your life through his word. You guys follow? Okay. But then here's the second part. Then why preaching? Right? Why, 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 why do you have to do the preaching to teach me that? Right? Can I, can I learn that when I read the Bible? For 30, why can't I just sit at home in front of my TV and read the Bible for 35 minutes and have the exact same thing? Wouldn't that work the same way? It's the word of God. Right? Why can't I just do a small group? And that's it. Now I have to show up to Sunday service. Just be in a small group on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever and just discuss the Bible with my brothers and my sisters. Why can't I just do that? We're reading the Bible. We're reading God's Word. What is so unique and important about the actual preaching? 
that we come on a Sunday to engage in and to be a part of? Why is preaching such a prominent way of sharing God's word? Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1. This is what he says right here. In the pre- this, is, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. So before God, before the judge of all things, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, knowing what he has done, knowing what he has revealed to you, I give you this charge, Timothy, to do what? To preach the word. Preach. You know what the word preach here is talking about? The word preach here in its uh, original language, it means to declare, to herald, to proclaim, to cry out, to, to um, proclaim with passion, right? It is, it is, it is a, um, a town crier coming in and saying, hear ye, hear ye, I have a message from the king. Hear ye, hear ye, listen now. The Lord of all creation, the God of the ages, the king of all things, he who has made all of the universe, though you rebel, Though you have strayed away, though you have chosen your own way, he has made a way for you to come home through his son, Jesus Christ, and bring you, if you are willing to trust in him, and bring you into his kingdom. All right? Welcome back, Masa. How you guys doing? Yeah? All right? Preaching is a declaration, but why is that done in a worship setting then? You guys get me? Why is it done in worship thing? Because to understand that, you have to understand the word worship. For worship to be true worship, two things have to be engaged in. Two areas. You have to see God for it to be worship, but you also have to delight in God for it to be worship. Meaning, not only do you have to understand, you also have to feel, right? Because you, you can't just have a worship when it's all emotions. We can't just create this whole atmosphere where we have fogs and lights and lasers and somber music and, you know, like, stuff. And it's all creating this emotional feel because emotion, feelings without foundation, leads to just a bunch of emotions. And you ride and die with your emotions, right? But in the same way, we can't have it dry where it's just kind of, like, quiet and simple and cut and you just have point one, point two, point three. It can't just be all word because that would just lead to intellectualism. It's all in the head. No feeling, no power. You guys get me? For worship to be worship, it must be coupled by two things. It must have the spirit and it must have the truth to it. It must engage the mind and it must engage the heart. You must see God and you must delight in God for it to be worship. You guys follow me? And so why is preaching this? Look at what preaching does. That's what preaching, First, verse 2, it says preaching is harrowing, declaring, passionately crying out the word, be prepared in season, but what are, you, what are you passionately crying out to do? To correct, to rebuke, to encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You are passionately exalting, you are passionately exalting an exposition, you are passionately exalting God's instructions. God's teaching, God's foundation, God's word, God's truth. So in preaching, you have the culmination of both of those, of both spirit and truth coming together. To We have all these seats in front, guys. Come here. Come and sit with me. Right? 
all right, all right. My, Michael was our preacher for Masa this, 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 this retreat. Give him up. Yeah, give him love. Yeah. Yeah. His dad, his dad came up to me today and said, thank you for forcing Michael to preach. I was like, I really didn't force him, man. It's just, it just happened, you know. But I appreciate sure it. did a great job, right? Uh, they look holier and, re- and more red coming home, okay? Um, so why the medium of preaching? Why, why the medium of preaching in a worship corporate setting? Why do we do preaching here? Because here... It combines in preaching, hopefully, right, the spirit and the truth of it. We are declaring the beauty and the wonders and the light of God, and yet we're also teaching the truth of his word. You guys get me? And so this whole series, we brought it together for you guys to understand something very important. Why you come. The attitude by which you come into this place. Did you know that you step into a place where angels fear to tread the very presence of God himself, a holy, sacred, reverent place. And oftentimes we take this holy, sacred, reverent place and we turned it into, right, a place for our own device, our, our own thing. We, we do whatever we want. We, 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 we lose our attention. We, we give up on the singing. We give up on the praying. We give up on the giving. And we give up on the listening to the revelation that God is trying to give to you. We've lost the sacred when it comes to the worship setting. We've turned it into a place where just gather a few minutes, do our thing, and then walk away. But here, when you enter, the reason why you sit, the reason why you stand, the reason why we sing together, the reason why we as a group give together, the reason as a group we pray and be part of the creation process together, the reason why you sit and listen to God's word, it is so that you will understand that this place you are coming to is a place where God is dwelling. Do you know what one thing the Catholics do better than Christians is they understand the place, right? Have you ever been to a Catholic service, Mass? That mug is when you walk in, you, you just feel like you cannot move because you're like, this is too, this is really structured, really holy, right? I'm just really scared. If you ever walk into a cathedral, if you're into, when you walk into a cathedral, there doesn't even need a person to preach. You walk into there and you recognize in that place, there's a reverence here. You look up in the stained glass windows and it's just huge and there's this, there's this sense of awe. It's supposed to drive you towards a reverence to God. You guys get me? It's supposed to be a reverence to God. And that's just being in the place. The singing hasn't even started yet. The praying hasn't even started yet. The teaching hasn't even started yet. Right? But one of the attitudes that we do, oftentimes, that we misplace out of grace, because we come and we think, oh, this is all about grace. It's all about freedom. We forget that the place where we enter is a place of reverence to God. We're encountering God himself. So our attitude has to change. That when you sing, it's not just singing words that, you know, Chris may have picked up on Saturday night just to come up with words. You know, it's not just that, right? It's, it's not. That the words that you sing together as a corporate body, right, like my Lynn taught us, right? Man, I love it because, again, it's, it's the science. Science basically explained what God already knew from the beginning, that if you would come together and you declare in one voice, my praise, it brings his people together and it brings all of our focus into one if we actually sing together. We encounter God. Isn't that crazy? That two, that if you would pray together, you are part as a body to see God's creation process. One of the the beautiful things about testimony is that we see our answered prayers. We see how God answers our prayers and we just begin to delight in what he is doing. As a body, we're we're like, God is moving. Because why? We are praying. 
That when we begin to give, we begin to see how God actually takes what we give and do greater things with it. And how in actually in giving, we find ourselves being able to give more. It's in our generosity because it's in our trust that we give. Not out of our extra or whatever we have. But we, it's in our trust that we come and we give to God. And in that, we trust and we encounter God. And in our coming to listen. You know, let me tell you a story, right? Jonathan, I think, was it Jonathan Edwards? Oh, I forgot who it was. There was a pastor who did this. He would sit and preach for 40 minutes, and the people will stand for 40 minutes, right, before the word of God. I kid you not, right? I was reading this up. I'm like, we should do that. I mean, like, no, we don't do that because, one, you guys will just riot and just leave, right? Two, right, you know, just to spare you guys that. But that's, that's the reverence they had, right? Because this, it was precedence. You know, whenever, when Jesus came into a synagogue in Luke chapter 4, he would open the scroll of Isaiah, and he read this, and he says, and then after he said it, he sat down and he explained it. He said, it's fulfilled me, right? And he sat down and he explained it, you know? While everyone was like, what? Right? It was precedence where they would come, they read the word, and everyone sits down and listen to the word. Right? And so here, you guys come. Recognize that every act that you do, whether you stand, or whether we're standing, whether we're sitting, whether we're praying, whether we're singing, whether we're offering, or whether we're listening, all of that is to encounter God here. So God will reveal himself to you here in this place, right? So many years ago, a woman came and asked the man, you know, our people tell me that we're supposed to worship in the mountain. The Jewish people tell us we're supposed to worship in the temple. Where do you say we worship? The man, Jesus Christ, he says, there will be a day when my people will not worship me on the mountain or in the temple. They will worship me where? In spirit and truth. They will worship me in spirit and truth. They will see me and they will delight in me. They will see me and they will relish who I am. They will engage in me in truth and they will live me out in joy. It is spirit and truth. Right? And God, this, and God made this a reality as he took on the cross. As Jesus Christ took on the cross, because there on the cross, he took two things and he put it together as well. He took love and he took justice. He combined those two things so that you and I can come before the Father and do what? Encounter him. That you will actually know him. So my prayer is this, guys. You know, before I come up and I preach, the thing that you should pray about, the thing you should even ask yourself, even before I, you know, try to come up with a joke to tell you guys, right, is ask the question, whatever comes out of PT's lips, if it speaks of Christ and it speaks of his word, Am I willing to obey it? Am I willing to obey it not because I'm being moral, not because I'm trying to be a good person, but am I willing to obey it because God is real? He's revealed himself to me through his word, and he's called me to go in this direction. Would I trust it when I follow it? All right. Bow your heads, guys.